In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Our visions and our ideas of Jesus sometimes don't actually match who he really is. The disciples certainly believed in Jesus as God. They knew all of this. Would they have recited the creed? Well, it wasn't written yet, so no. But if you had handed it to them, what you just confessed, they would say, well, yeah, that sounds right. That's the same guy that we believe in. So then when Jesus tells them that they're going to go to Jerusalem and what is going to happen there, they're stunned. He will be handed over and treated shamefully. He'll be mocked. He will be spit upon. He will be killed. And on the third day, he will rise. And to us, it's not surprising, but for them, no way. Because the only problem with this is that their God doesn't get spit on. I mean, this is like if you were to have a candidate call you, which we had, you know, a couple months ago. Um, if you are having some candidate running for office call you and, and tell you, hi, I'm running for whatever it is, uh, I'm going to lose and everyone is going to hate me, please vote for me. No one would back that party. No one would vote for that candidate. Well, no one. Why? Well, because no one is going to throw their support behind a loser. So Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is just going to go to Jerusalem and let them flog him and beat him and nail him to a cross, and they're just supposed to watch it? Yes. And they cannot understand how this is supposed to happen. And in many ways, it's beyond what we can even understand today. And this is why I think Holy Week, Lent in general, is still sort of fascinating and mysterious to us. People are drawn towards Ash Wednesday and Palm Sunday because it's here that we gather and are drawn around specifically this great mystery of God being put to death. God in the flesh being put to death. We killed God. And what would happen? And it's a very shameful death, too. It's not like they just put Jesus away quietly, didn't want to make too big of a show out of it or anything like that. No. They treated Jesus in a way that said, this is going to happen to you too if you want to be like him. So he is covered in the shame of everyone surrounding him. And he is lifted up. And they even say, behold, take a look at this guy. And that is basically what the world has to offer you. Because guess what? A world that will crucify the Son of God will only get you so far. 
So put not your trust in princes then, because they cannot help you. Their solution to the problem of Jesus was to nail him to a cross. They are definitely only but mortal, and they can only bring peace with bullets and things like nails in the hands of men who are nailed to the cross. But is there anyone today who actually trusts in the princes that we have, no matter what side you are on or aren't on? I mean, I don't know. I don't really. Do you? Why? Why would you put your trust in princes and in the government? Well, it's nice. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, we feel good about uh, we feel good about it when our guy wins, of course. I voted for the winner. I did that. But throughout history, though, the Church of Christ has existed in good times and bad times. We've existed in times when we've been completely illegalized and persecuted, and we have existed in times where your tithes and offerings are exempt from taxation. Hmm. We've had good rulers and we've had bad rulers. And there have been these splendid times in history where the church actually... uh, picked who was going to be in the government. And it's kind of complicated, but I love this idea that there was a couple hundred years where the church was crowning kings and picking who got to rule. And I know that it didn't actually make those princes rule any better most of the time, but... And then eventually things got out of hand, and uh, eventually Napoleon comes along and crowns himself and puts an end to all of this. He would not be ruled by any sort of church at all. Still, though, don't put your trust in princes, even though they have elevated themselves above Christ and his church. So now it looks like the church lies weakened, the shell of what we used to be. And now we are controlled by the authorities who tell us how we can do things here. Despite what one of only the two parts of the Bill of Rights that anyone actually remembers, you know, what that actually says. And so now we used to crown the rulers And then we've spent the last year being lectured by various levels of government on how we can or can't worship. Huh. Who's your true prince? Who's the true ruler of your life? Only you can answer that question for yourself. I can tell you what it looks like from the outside, though. Political hope will only go so far. But the Church of Christ has outlasted every single government and ruler on the face of the earth. Again, all the good ones and all the bad ones. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we're not going absolutely crazy right now. Because we know that Christ's authority does not depend on popular vote. No one would have voted for Jesus. And they didn't. They did quite the opposite. They put an end to him. And yet, here you are. Jesus does not need your vote or your approval. 
He is the Lord of the universe, whether you do or don't stand up for him. He is spit upon. He is treated shamefully. He is beaten and he is nailed to a cross. He's lifted up for all to see. Lifted up so that you would know that he is really dead. And he is buried by his poor mother and a handful of friends. And that is about as much as we can do. That is about as far as we can get on our own. So then how have you come to know about this Jesus? Rather astonishingly, his words were true. And he is raised from the dead on the third day. Even though we even tried to stop that from happening. Immediately after he tells the disciples about this thing, that he's going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to see him treated shamefully and crucified and then raised from the dead. Right after that, when the disciples don't understand this, I mean, who could blame them, by the way? Jesus shows us how this works. He does this sometimes. He teaches you something, and then he shows you how it's going to be done. He does this. They can't see this happening. But then Jesus finds a blind man who's begging, calling out for help. And everyone says, ah, go away, go away. He's groping in the dark. No one will help him. And the man has nothing but what others can give to him, mainly telling him to be quiet. And that's all that he knows. And then Jesus comes and opens his eyes. And he sees, and he follows Jesus. That's how it works. The risen Lord Jesus Christ has opened your eyes, touching you in the word, Speaking to you just like that man. He speaks to you and touches you in holy baptism. And he opens your eyes to see that the world is more than a dark place that is just filled with death and with destruction. He has opened your eyes. He has spoken to you. And the scales have fallen revealing a new world to you. Or the princes of this world can't do too much anyway, so don't get all wrapped up in that. And what's more, the Lord has not only opened your eyes, but he has given you a whole new life. That man, the blind man who is healed by Jesus, he has a whole entire new way of life, doesn't he? So he, he gives gifts to you as well. Have you ever heard anyone brag about their spiritual gifts that they have? I have. It's a strange thing to hear. But the Lord has given you gifts. All sorts of different kinds of gifts. And he gives you gifts in order to better serve and to love your neighbor. Not something to brag about. Because here in the church, there is no higher or lower person in the body of Christ, the church of Christ. For all love one another here. That's the way it goes. 
faith, hope, and love abide in the body of Christ, but the greatest of these is indeed love. Because faith and hope one day, that won't be a thing anymore. Those will fade away, for we will see Christ with our own eyes. And what then will remain? Love. And that's it. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.